Sunday Painter. I'm your host, Alex Nunez. This month, we'll be sitting down with Eve Eurydice and playing selected tracks of her choosing. Welcome to Sunday Painter. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. So we are cross-pollinating from your show. You are a fellow Jolt radio host. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what inspired you to start up your, your show. Speak Sex speaks to the audience and asks the listener to speak sex with us for their own, you know, sexual evolution and enhancement. And so the idea is that by speaking sex, you normalize it, you familiarize, we familiarize each other. Um, We're not afraid of the words and we're not afraid of the deeds. We get rid of the shame. We get rid of the secrecy. uh, We demystify it. We break down a bunch of like taboos and assumptions and fears that not only don't serve us, but have no meaning at all. My, I mean, my ultimate goal is to change our consciousness. <laughs> uh, my, my immediate inspiration and, and impetus was the Me Too movement. Um, so I've always worked in this area. Um, I've written three books about sexuality, uh, one with Scribner called Sex in America at the End of the Millennium, um, one with Virago Press, um, and I and I wrote four magazines like Spin. I was a staff writer for years uh, in New York. I wrote for George Harper's and always wrote about sex fringes, you know, customs. Um, so I did investigative writing, and I also had a sex co- a column called Sex Files, which was more like advice, how to. It's a great name. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very fluent in the language because I, I lived with subcultures in the process of writing about them, um, all types of different uh, sexual or asexual, you know, social groups and subcultures. I have always dealt with this, you know, issue of 
physical, personal, spiritual, you know, imprisonment and suffering because of shame about the body and its sexual, you know, desires, needs, all that, and how to bring it into the open, bring it into light, make it okay, make it happy, not shameful, not scary, not frightening, um, you know, remove it from like social judgment, personal judgment, um, and find like a find comfort in articulating it. You know, hear the words enough that the the fear is just broken. You know, it's all demystified and they become the same as any other word, you know, like uh, my pussy, my eyes, it could be the same thing. If you want a lover I'll do anything you ask me to And if you want another kind of love I'll wear a mask for you If you want a partner, take my hand Or if you want to strike me down in anger Here I stand I'm your man If you want a boxer I will step into the ring for you And if you want a doctor I'll examine every inch of you If you want to drive, climb inside Or if you want to take me for a ride You know you can I'm your man Are the moons too bright? The chains too tight? The beast won't go to sleep I've been running through these promises to you that I made and I could not keep. Ah, but a man never got a woman back, not by begging on his knees. Or I'd crawl to you, baby, and I'd fall at your feet, and I'd Howl at your beauty like a dog in heat And I'd clog your heart And I'd tear at your sheet I'd say, please I'm your man book I was 21 and the word cunt is in every sentence and I never say that word <laughs> I still never say it um, so it was definitely you know a, a, a lot of like willing myself to overcome what I had been trained you know my 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 logic told me that you know the place of female pleasure and miracle birth making should not be so dirty and dark and unspeakable. But that doesn't mean that I was free from, you know, practicing that and, and, and still am. You know, I, I don't uh, speak freely at all times, you know, to, to everyone because I know that, uh, you know, people become shocked. Yeah, yeah. The people turn off. Right. And it's pretty immediate. Mm -hmm. You can notice it. The eyes glaze over. And I guess I've been following your work for the past two years. And I really was totally enamored with your use of collage and incorporating embroidery and kind of taking that minimal line work and making it so sexy, so tactile. It makes so much sense for me for you to have this kind of direct foray. You're taking images and your words and they're both doing the same thing, which is right, not exactly. easy. No. 
my undergraduate thesis was uh, an illustrated manuscript. So I, I did have a double major in creative writing and fine arts, and I made a book from scratch, including the, the paper, and I you know, illustrated every page, and I wrote the, the epic poem. So, and I was in love with like William Blake, and I, and I think that it all goes back to the you know, illustrated Bibles and the first example of like writing that was for the masses and art that was for the masses which was that, Illustrated Bibles. That was the first time that, like, you know, the poor, the illiterate had access to, to those images, yeah? And and at that basic level, the words are like images. It's the same illustrative line, which is what I'm attracted to. So the written word is the same kind of marks and symbols as, like, the earliest scratches on the cave walls, which were the first mere instances of art, of representative art. So for me, they overlap at that, you know, original place uh, of, of trying to express the most we can of the human condition and by doing so understand each other um, and share. Because, you know, the ultimate impulse is to share and we all have a personal language that then we have to work hard to translate to each other and then I in a way that will include as many as possible. So my artistic media choice um, always stands for the populist. Because, you know, I, would, I like to make work that people can understand mm -hmm. um, at some level. Um, so like the embroidery, you know, everyone has an embroidery narrative, their moms or their grandparents or, you know, clothes or something. You know, it's it's not like high art. It's not like cubist you know, painting. Right. It's accessible. Right. Um, and the same with, you know, my, my, my painting, my drawings. They always came fr with the awareness that, um, you know, I, I wanted a the most superficial level to be accessible to everyone, you know, to like the people walking down the street who will never w go into a museum or a gallery space. Um, and I think that that's where sex also came in. Um, I mean, it, it, there are many reasons as to why sex. <laughs> um, one is that it's something everyone shares. Um, on the personal level, sex has always been my metaphor of choice, my self-defining issue, because I was born on the island of Lesbos, where there aren't that many women born. <laughs> just a small island. Um, my mom, my grandma were all lesbians. And when we moved to, I went to school in Athens. Um, and even though it's a country of like nine million people, my school in Athens, no one had ever met a lesbian before. And so the semantic power of that, that a lesbian from Lesbos also means a pervert, a sexual pervert. A, you know, I mean, now, of course, you know, we're more evolved and we call it, you know, queer. But when I was a kid, I understood it as like, a, a, you know, a sexual deviant who will go to hell. Um, and my grandfather was a priest. He was my favorite relative, you know, so I grew up in a family that had all of that heavy symbolism. Um, and I was sexual enough that I was masturbating at a very young age to texts, including like ecclesiastic texts, because I didn't have access to anything else. <laughs> and it, they turned me on. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course I felt condemned and damned and guilty and, and sinful and I didn't know that anyone else ever did this and I didn't know why I did it but I did orgasm young and it felt good and 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 I so I think that at that stage it definitely marked me because it was the only way in which I was noticeably different so in in elementary school I was trying to not let people know that I'm from Lesbos. Once it would become known, everyone in the school would be like, oh my God, you're a lesbian? Are you a lesbian? Like, what is that like? You know, little, like, my school girlfriends would ask me, you know, would they show them, like, how, like, how it's done? It, it was just a way that I was placed up outside the norm. And, of course, as an artist, we're already outside the norm. 
So those things kind of coincided in my early genesis of, you know, who I am. <laughs> um, and, and, and I went with it as kind of like this understanding things through that lens. Um, and I've, I've always been shocked by the extreme, uh, you know, dichotomy between, you know, the truth that sex is how we keep the species going. And it's like the most uh, divine aspect of being a human, giving birth. Um, and yet it's like the most shameful, repressed, uh, you know, gross <laughs> and, you know, uh, yucky and unspoken experience also. being Greek, you guys are notorious storytellers. It, mm. There is a really beautiful narrative aspect of your work. Has yeah, I think that both the line drawing and the narrative in the work is very, very Greek. Cause, you know, I was raised in like the mythology, the ancient statues, that's the first axis. Are there any, like, let's say, uh, recent narratives that you're pulling from, things that you're reading or listening to that have inspired a current body of work or maybe the last thing that you were working on? Um, I'm mostly inspired by real-time events, so usually I'm responding to things in the news that I feel strongly about. That oh, you must have so much, so much to work off of. Right, right, yeah. So especially when we have Republican presidents, but, you know, even like with Monica or whatever, there's stuff that is huge in the culture at the moment 
that I, you know, I wish like I could write in the New York Times every day. <laughs> so that's how I, I work it out in my art practice. Um, so it's much more political than people are, are, are aware of because uh, I I don't want to politicize it. But mm-hmm. for me, you know, it, it, is. Ha- it can't not be right. There's no right. other way. So are you practicing? Do you have a studio now? Um, where are you located? I know you're on the beach. Yeah, I'm on the beach. Yeah. So I'm I'm working from home now because I finally I finally live alone. <laughs> My daughter is in college and we were always the family unit. So and I have to pay her tuition. So while I'm paying that exorbitant tuition, I'm utilizing the space that's empty in the house, which is you know considerable. So it's it's worked out that way. So we were together after I left Fountainhead, where we had studios across from each other for some years. I I stayed home, um, and I'm, it makes me I'm happy. Uh, the work has changed. You know, a studio always changes, or a, a workspace always changes the work. Uh, you know, the size, the scope, the the means. Um, so as it goes through this period, it is more minimalist just because I, you know, don't have like a big s- space that's dedicated to the mess of making art. So what does your daily practice look like? How, how often are you making work? Are you going in every day? And Yeah, I go in every day. I mean, it's um, always been a dream of mine for the live work. So I don't know. Do you feel like it's it's been more productive having the studio yeah. that close mm-hmm. and that accessible? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's much more productive time-wise. I spend more time uh, with my practice. It's just that I do limit myself, and that's just self-censorship. I do limit myself with the dirt and the mess and the smells, which are otherwise... So the materials, you know, um, so I, I like... Um, I'm mostly with thread now or pencil, you know, um, and that's because I... Even though I close the door, like it's its own space, its own bathroom. Um, but yeah, I I, I love being able to like, you know, get up at three in the morning and go and work because suddenly, you know, my mind is wide awake and alert and I can just go downstairs and, and work. So yeah, that's nice. Um, there is, like with sex, there is a bit of shame, you know, like for an artist not to have a studio. I mean, I... I had the studio the entire time I've been in Miami. So when I left Fountainhead, um, it was heartbreaking to make that decision, even though practically it was a great decision. Um, But you feel like, oh, you know, in in the eyes of the world, am I still the same professional if I don't have a studio space? But I'm... And it's a it's it's a serious you know self reckoning. I see it a lot more here. Me too. I, I yeah. feel like because the real estate gives way for that, it's so expensive here, and you have access to larger space, mm-hmm. living space. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unheard of in other places. So, mm-hmm. I, as long as you're making work, it doesn't really matter. We, I mean, and I did think of that all the years in Fountainhead. I would be like, I I don't want to drive all the way to Little Haiti, and I would be like, I'm on the ocean. You know, it made no sense that I would be away from where I chose to live so long in order to work. But yeah, uh, how for a woman, you know, particularly um, having a working identity, you know, has been important. Uh, And, you know, being a mom and a single mom, I must say that the hardest thing I've ever done was raise a child and, and the most important work. Um, much more than like writing books or making art or doing performances or um, so it's important to like honor you know um, the things we do for for the for our children and for uh, you know mothering rather than dishonor it and only you know and only respect the male type work that we do and qualify for. You know, but we all fall for that. <laughs> like we want to be like the guys. That's what everybody understands.
I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the song selection. Such a wide range, which I'm totally appreciative. <laughs> really loved you had like the 10 minute song. It was like Jesus' Blood or something mm, like that. I love and that song. I hear it so often. I had never heard that song. Mm. It was a recording of a homeless man. He recorded a homeless man who was like singing it to himself first and then brought him in for the recording and then worked on it. Yeah. So how influential or let's say tantric or kind of like this rhythm of mm. this kind of I don't even know how you would even describe it but mm -hmm. I think several of the songs are within that vein of mm -hmm. kind of like building an energy and repetition mm -hmm. I I felt the sewing the mm -hmm. sewing kind of pattern yeah. I think that I definitely am, I I always look for the same rhythm um, and it is a narrative rhythm meaning it climaxes and then denouements um, and it does sound a little like the blood like a heartbeat you know I need to feel that pulse as if it's running through my veins um, I do like hymnal quality you know a sense of like everyone in chant everyone in ecstasy everyone in is this the religious out of upbringing body. yeah uh, there is definitely the religious upbringing you know the hymns in church um, but also, I like to, you know, the, 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 the job of the music is to help me get into a trance state of, of work. So I always, you know, I get into trance by this either repetitive chant, um, or I, I find it uh, in in uh, more commercial songs that somehow have the same effect on me. You know, it's like rousing everyone to revolution or <laughs> that sort of feeling. You know, uh, I like a lot. Um, I mean, I have done performance work with audio and video, and I was telling you I taped some of my orgasms, mm. and I used that audio in all kinds of performances, and it was amazing. Um, I did a lot more performance before I became a mom, and then I self-censored, because uh, I didn't want all her friends and their parents to judge her based on my work. So I, I kind of... Uh, took a break from work that was very expressive and dramatic um, to give her a chance to become who she is, you know, without like a big uh, presence in the background. Was that common <laughs> with your peers? Were there other artist moms or artist fathers that 
Uh, was Artist this like fathers a- never, <laughs> never. It doesn't even occur. I to just, them. I mean, my parents had such straight laced gigs that I, I think it would be so cool to have like an artist parent. I just, I, it'd yeah. be like another. Yeah. Well, she grew up in, in the studio, uh, you know, on Lincoln Road. So, you know, after school, she'd come to the studio, and then like she would go with her, her. Her friends would always be in the studio, and they would go buy ice cream. As they grew up, they would go shopping. They would go, you know, eat something walk up and down Lincoln Road and check in with me. Um, and at the same time, there were all these, you know, students from New World or FIU or local art colleges who were famished for women artists, for women artists working on women's issues, you know, in studio. There were not that many. Um, and I was super accessible, <laughs> uh, easy to find, always there. So it, there was a community of, of women, you know, creative women uh, who hung out together uh, and also like other artists because it's a much bigger group of uh, studios. So there were always, uh, you know, fellow artists in the space while my daughter and her friends were there. So that was an interesting dialogue. And then, you know, the public would come in and out. That's such a special thing. It's mm-hmm. the normalizing mm-hmm. thing that we're talking about before. I, we are every day. Yeah. It's, we're yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. And like we don't have to drink and get high and whatever, be abusive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get into that, you know, space, like that whole myth of the of the male painter. Bullshit. Just an excuse to be misogynist pigs, honestly. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, a really interesting foray into why you're doing the the podcast as well, because this is such a pivotal time mm. for women to have a voice. Yes. And the way we raise our, our children from toddler age on is by telling them, no, no, don't sit that way. You know, cross your legs. Don't say that. Don't show that. Don't, 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 don't. You know, but they, there's just no positive reinforcement when it comes to these things like, you know, the f- female body and how it expresses itself in the world openly. Um, but I, I started to say before that for me, the reason I decided to do that, well, this podcast, Speak Sex, was a confluence of, of changes. One was the Me Too movement, um, which uh, made me think long and hard about my own sex life, um, not my practice, which, you know, luckily I, I, I felt comfortable with throughout. But I th- I realized that in my sex life, I I continued that dichotomy. You know, I objectified my my own body to get off. You know, there was always there continued to be a distance between me and my 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 body, even though I had been conscious from day one. And my first book, um, when I was. 21 was about a woman who gets attacked in the middle of the street by a stranger who cuts out her vagina um, and the vagina then goes off and has a life of its own. Um, and up until then, she suffered from the, fa- the fact that like guys wanted her, her, you know, her vagina was always interested in sex and like she just wanted to be rid of all of that. And then when she is she realizes that's who she is it's herself it's her so she goes on a quest to like reunite with it so it's always been like my formative issue um but between the me too movement making me realize where i myself had faltered in my own life daily life um but also you know sensing that we just earn the right of consent as women verbal consent in the West, the modernized West for the first time in written history. And that moment of verbal consent that we have, you know, won, <laughs> um, along with the the fact that uh, genetic tests prove paternity, so we no longer have to be like kept under wraps by, you know, all kinds of laws in order to make sure that like the children belong to the guy who thinks is the father. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mark, like a unique opportunity for more freedom and it's possible for women to take the lead since there isn't really a heteronormative language that's agreed upon during sex. You know, the women, we women can take the lead and just name what we like, what we would like, what's good, you know, boundaries, uh, you know, time frames, uh, power exchanges, um, every 
possible detail, you know, become comfortable with being conscious during sex instead of like being completely unconscious and taken over, you know, by, I don't know, desire and manhandled by the guy who seems to know everything because he has the penis. dismissive society can be of like looking at an image moving on to the next one to actually sit down and like be able to speak with somebody is really refreshing because it's not really something that's done very often Uh, how often are you having let's say like other artists in your studio or uh, outside of the the radio exchange uh just in a creative realm how how often are you um i mean i do pretty i think that pretty regularly i I have something or other once a month. So I have the book club I host once a month. And then I have um, a writer's uh, group where we workshop each other's work. 
once a month. And then I have a women's coven, which is like a group spiritual work once a month. And um, and I do have artists, women artists I collaborate with, um, whom I see once a week. Um, so I, I I think that I'm pretty for a for a you know solitary practitioner like an artist. I'm pretty uh, community driven and oriented. I wanted to speak a little bit about, I heard you on your last episode talk about the coven. I find that <laughs> such an interesting power dynamic. Basically, I just provide the home base and the tools and the supplies <laughs> and the know-how. Because uh, I've done a version, one or other version of this for many, many, many years. So, um, you know, women who are interested, especially women who haven't tried it, are 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 happy and relieved to have a place, a safe place, to like see how they feel, what happens. Um, and I'm very like non-denominational, so it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, called uh, any anything specific, you know, a specific practice name. Um, it's nature-based and nature and and you know s follows the cycles of nature. So we meet uh, new moon, full moon, um, after sunset, and um, we honor north, south, east, west. Um, you know, light the fire. We're on earth. We usually are on the beach. So you know, we have all the four elements, all the four directions, and. Um, I always have something that I want to do, um, you know, whether it's uh, related to the time of year or if it's an ancient holiday or if I introduce a certain, um, you know, uh, goddess or, you know, statue or art piece or story. So I always have something to fill the time um, if in case no one else does. <laughs> Um, but it, it varies. It depends really how many people come, you know, at how familiar or new they are at this, if they need things urgently, if they just want to be part of, you know, this experience, this group. Um, yeah, for me, it's just a way to honor our uh, foremothers and and our, you know, our existence as natural beings. <laughs> Sitaram, yes, sitaram, 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 yes, sitaram, 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 yes, sitaram, sitaram, sitaram. Sitaram, yeah, sitaram, 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 yeah, sitaram, 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 yeah, sitaram, sitaram, sitaram. Sitaram, 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 yeah, sitaram, 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 yeah, sitaram, sitaram, sitaram. Sitaram, yes, sitaram, 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 sitaram.
I like hearing how the, the phrasing safe space keeps coming up. Um, I'm interested in hearing, I don't know, what it is about you that people can feel so comfortable? Because I definitely feel that on your show, and you can hear that within the other shows and with the coven and with your artistic practice. Do you feel like you've always had kind of like this empathy receptor kind yeah. of with people people really open up to you and mm -hmm. has that been your whole life or yeah. is this did this kind of guide <laughs> you into the art practice or was it vice versa or i i mean yes is people that has been common always, through your, yeah, yeah yeah my whole life i mean grown-ups i mean I, I was a child and men my father's age including like the town's mayor would find me at alone moments and confess their sins or feelings or whatever, things that they wouldn't tell their wives. Um, and I always kind of assume that's the way things are. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am by nature a keeper of secrets. Um, and I'm by, by nature, uh, you know, a pretty uh, empty and receptive vessel. So I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't hold on to this information and I definitely never pass it on or share or repeat it. Um, Does it affect I your energy? Judge. I never. I just again naturally do not judge. I come from a place of mercy, and I always ask for mercy. You know, I always give it, and I hope for it, and that's the best I can do. So I don't judge. Um, I think that the art practice is where I cleanse. You know, so that solitary work is when uh, all of it, you know, kind of gets washed off. Um, because it kind is like, done alone, yeah. alone time, quiet time. Chagrin mes plaisirs, je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours, je repars à zéro. I have these big circles on my walls, so the, I think that the most interesting thing is that I'm not doing angles at all, N not at all. Um, I don't know how I'm going to present this eventually, because it's an atypical shape. Um, I don't know, I've even thought maybe they'll end up being like circular tarot cards. Um, my sister actually bought a pack of circular tarot cards from Walter Mitgallo. The estate had like a huge sale. Really, I would yeah. love to see those. Yeah. yeah, they're. I think they're from like the late seventies. Hmm. Yeah, I would love I'll, to I'll see bring those. them. 
yeah yeah meeting. definitely that yeah. would be nice yeah i mean it's not like my conscious intention but looking at it from a distance i don't know where else i'm going because uh, you know i'm working within the circles it is illustrative you know it's i mean it's more or less my work my work um but it's uh it, it done on paper stitched you know pricked and hand stitched paper and um Uh, I should say I want to say that that I'm working on at least two books because um, I have to pay the tuition. <laughs> so one is so speak sex is in a sense in part field research for this book. I mean I've, my whole life is field research, but um, there is kind of like an overall theme that the podcast is part of. So the working title is Speak Sex Manifesto. I don't know if it will stay the title, but that's what it is. And then there is another book I'm working on. Um, I, I, I work with something called, I do something called scribal therapy, which again includes all of these things that we've discussed, you know, my relationship to text, art, and healing. Um, so, and the working title of that is The Lesbian. So... I, you know, I'm hoping to finish them, but it's, it's a lot of you know going in and out because it's a different space from the art practice. So I take big breaks from the writing. I'm not as consistent with it. You know, I don't write every day. I wish I would. But yeah, those are my other work. work and goals. this would be how many books have you done so far? Well, I've published uh, three books. I've written maybe six. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How do you have all this time? I don't know. No, I'm prolific. Where do you You're go prolific. to reset? You're prolific. I know, but I just You know how it is the prolific thing because it's like like when you're in it it doesn't seem like that because mm -mm. you're just like this is this is like how I'm wired. I don't know how not to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. For me to sit on my hands is like impossible. I just don't Right. And also like you create quickly and you know, I mean, it's just Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do to reset living on the beach must be amazing i walk on the you. beach every yeah. day with my dogs yeah Ugh, so that's so nice that's the life oh my god I could, yeah mm -hmm. living living where i live is there's no ocean over there so i know that's what i told so, myself it's like i would you know i came from new york to be by the ocean if i'm not gonna live that way i might as well move away and not pay these taxes and you know like be out in nature yeah warehouse is a so, tough sell after walking on the shore yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and the dogs love it Well, mm -hmm. I think we're I think we're up on time. Thank mm. you so much. Thank you for having me. I loved it. I loved both of our And when can people podcasts. listen to your show? Well, it's live on Jolt Radio Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. every Friday. And then you can find the podcast on Spotify, Speak Sex with Eve Eurydice, or uh, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, all, I think Mixcloud, whatever. All Mixcloud, SoundCloud. Yeah, almost. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to sit with me and everybody check out her show. Bye. We done. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times they are a-changing Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing From senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled 
The battle outside raging will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are changing. Mothers and fathers throughout the land, and don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand. For the times they are changing. It is drawn. The curse it is cast. The slow one now will later be fast as the present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading, and the first one now will later be last. For the times they are changing. Sunday Painter airs every second Tuesday of the month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Jolt Radio. To check out our previous episodes, check out www.sundaypainter.net or our Instagram at the underscore Sunday underscore painter. We're also on Facebook, so give that a look.